to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for October 14th is Matthew chapter 13 and Luke chapter 8. We begin with the parable of the four soils. Many of your Bibles will say the parable of the sower, but I think we should focus on the soil because the soil determines what happens to the seed. Jesus tells the parable, a sower throws out seed, he plants it, he sows it. There are four soils. There's the good soil. There's the good soil that is covered in thorns. There's good soil that's very shallow. And then there's the hard packed dirt of the path where the soil can take no root at all. But before we get to the explanation and meaning of the soil, Jesus' disciples ask him a very good question. In Matthew 13, 11, Jesus says to them, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. That should be humbling to all of us. Some of us are tempted to think that we're smarter or in some way better than the other people in the world because we understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. The fact that it has been given to us to understand should humble us because it has not been given to everyone. We could argue that it's because we are smarter, but that's simply not true if we're honest. We could argue that it's because we are more humble, and potentially that is true, but then who made us humble? Maybe it's because of our upbringing. Maybe it's because of the things that happened around us. But who ordered where we would be born? Which of us chose what our environment would be like when we were born? God is at the very foundation of it all. He chose our parents. He chose our environment. And it could be argued from this passage that he even chose what kind of soil our heart is. What's utterly astounding is that we also get to take part and choose. Because he's written it on our hearts, what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong. When we know we are doing wrong, we have the opportunity to either repent or to double down and become even harder. Verse 12 says, whoever has, more will be given to him and he will have more than enough. Whatever you steward well will increase. If you steward sin and you enjoy it, you will get more of it until it consumes you. But if you steward humility and wisdom because of a fear of the Most High God, you will get more of that. This life is all about proving to ourselves and everyone so we have no excuse on the Day of Judgment that we all get exactly what we want. If we want God, we get more of Him. If we do not want God, even the little bit that we know of Him will be taken away until that final day where we stand before him and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord and every knee bows before him. Now the explanation of the parable of the soils is telling as well. The soil along the path that is hard packed from people trampling on it is unable to receive the word of God. These are the people 
who will not even stop to entertain the scriptures. The shallow ground or the rocky ground refers to somebody who's open and receives the word with joy, but because there's not room for the word to take root, that person falls away and falls away quickly. Verse 22 says, the one sown among the thorns refers to a person who becomes a believer, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness or the pleasure of wealth choke the word so that it becomes unfruitful. Some people would wonder, is this person really saved? And that could be debated, but if it were me, I would not want to be in this category and find out the hard way. The fourth group is the good soil that's been tilled. The rocks have been removed. And it's the one who hears the word of God, who understands it, who takes joy in it, who doubles down and then produces fruit, whether it be a hundredfold, 60 or 30 times what was sown. Whenever we read the word of God, we should examine ourselves and ask, what category are we in? If you're really not sure, ask the people around you, ask your spouse, ask your children, ask your parents. If you had to lump me into one of these four categories, which one would it be? Please answer with honesty. My eternal security depends on it. The parable of the wheat and the tares or the weeds refers to the church, the body of Christ in the world today and how some of them, at least, are not actually believers. But it would do more harm to the believers to uproot those unbelievers who are mixed in with us. But the enemy has planted weeds in the garden of God, and we won't know for certain which is which until Jesus returns and sorts it all out. At the harvest time, when God sends his angels there will be a sorting. This is akin to the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the tares. They're the same analogy with different storylines. I do think it's interesting though in verse 30 at harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, Jesus said, gather the weeds first and then collect the wheat. The parable of the mustard seed is a Sunday school favorite. Notice it's one of the smallest seeds, but it grows and becomes the largest plant in the garden like a tree and the birds of the air nest in it and it provides shade. The kingdom of heaven starts off small but it becomes the biggest part of our lives and it becomes the center of everything that our life flows from. As we grow in Christ is the kingdom of heaven becoming a greater and greater part of everything that we do? Is it influencing everything that we do? It should be. And if you're not growing, then you need to figure out why. Fast and pray. Seek counsel. Send me a message. I would love to partner with you in your spiritual growth. It would be a joy to hear from you and help you if that's an area that you're struggling in. In verse 36, Jesus begins explaining the parable of the wheat and the tares. And he talks about the separation that will take place at the end of time. And I love the promise in verse 43 of what will happen when the wheats and the tares are separated and the power 
of the wheat is no longer diluted by the tares. In other words, when the power of the believers is no longer diluted by the unbelievers who are interspersed with them. Verse 43 says, the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. I long to see the day when the righteous people shine like the sun in God the Father's kingdom. The parable of the hidden treasure and the priceless pearl are the same. The kingdom of heaven is so valuable that the one who finds it is willing to forsake everything else he or she owns. This is how it should be for us. We should forsake everything else that we own. In verse 54, the people are amazed at Jesus and how he's teaching with authority and the miraculous signs he is using and performing to confirm his identity and his authority. They ask, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? But what's interesting is they must not really want to know or else they would have asked him. Verse 57 instead says they were offended by him. The kingdom of heaven and the laws therein are extremely offensive. The gospel is offensive. The good news says you are a sinner. You must change. You are worthy of hell. And unless you repent, you will end up there. But the work's already been done. All you have to do is receive it and you will no longer be an enemy of God. You will be blessed and highly favored by him. Your penalty was paid. Verse 58 says he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. The all-powerful Son of God was limited in the work that he would or could do in that region because the people were offended by him. It's interesting in Luke's account of the parable of the sower and the seed. In verse 15, the seed in the good ground are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it by enduring, produce fruit. That word enduring can be translated steadfastness, constancy, a patient enduring, a remaining behind. It's the people with an honest and good heart who are willing to remain behind, who are willing to patiently endure. Just like there is no get-rich-quick scheme to become wealthy in this world, there is no get-holy-quick scheme to become a giant Christian. It takes hard work, self-denial, and time to grow in holiness. Not talking about justification, of course. Jesus accomplished that for us. I'm talking about the process of becoming mature. In Luke 8:26, we come across this demon-possessed man who is possessed by legion. Legion was actually a number. It was a word that referred to a division in the Roman army that consisted of about 6,000 soldiers. It doesn't mean that the man had 6,000 demons in him, but it does imply that he had a detachment of demons from the enemy that were overpowering him, that had him living out in the wild, undressed, 
and unable to be bound. Jesus delivered this man, brought him to his right mind, and when the townspeople saw him sitting, dressed, and in his right mind, they were afraid. They were also upset because they lost all of the pigs that the demons were driven into, and they would have preferred that that poor man continued to be tormented, and they wished that their herd of pigs had been kept for them because they placed a higher value on the pigs than they did this man's life. They preferred their economic security over the power of the Most High God. And they literally asked Jesus to leave because his presence made them so uncomfortable. And so he left. The humility of our God to agree to leave because the people didn't want to see his kingdom advance. This man who had been delivered begs Jesus, take me with you. And Jesus says, no, go and tell people what God has done for you. And the next time Jesus comes back through this region, this man's ministry has had quite the effect. In verse 40, we begin reading about Jairus and his daughter who died, but Jesus resurrected. When Jesus went there, he told the people not to believe that she had died, but that she was just asleep. They laughed at him. And he went into the house with only his parents and a few other select individuals when he raised her from the dead. Sometimes it is necessary to get all of the unbelievers and the mockers out of the way to see the power of God manifested. It's almost like an example of how the righteousness of the people of God will shine brightly like the sun in their father's kingdom when the tares are no longer diluting the wheat. Let us be wheat, friends, standing tall, soaking up the sun, getting into the word of God, shining brightly like a lamp on a post, not under a basket. Be counted as those who were willing to walk the narrow path. And God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me, this narrow path. We'll see you tomorrow.